Today on Daily Meds, Pastor Richard Forney will be discussing exalting Jesus like never before. Now let's tune in. So we have been focusing on Psalm 34 and we will continue there today as we have simply been talking about exalting God. And for us, the way that is being expressed is exalting Jesus like never before. It is founded and it is rooted in this simple truth that Jesus really is the answer to everything that we need. And if you and I would honestly get that firmly fixed in our hearts, that no matter what comes our way, that we will choose to exalt Jesus above whatever it is that is confronting us at the moment. It says that if he will be lifted up, <clears throat> if he will be exalted, not only does he draw men and women to himself, but he proves that he is victorious, yes. that he is an overcomer. That scripture that we read together earlier in Philippians talked about how Jesus humbled himself and God exalted him, giving him the name that is above every name. What that means is that at the name of Jesus, everything else must bow. It must submit. Yes. And therefore, you and I then must have an attitude that we must have a mindset. That we are going to exalt, lift up high the name of Jesus Christ. Because at the name of Jesus, everything else must bow and submit. Amen. Amen. The Apostle Paul illustrated this as he was dealing with people and people inhabited with spirits. We call them demons. Spiritual demons. The Apostle Paul would be ministering and preaching and there would be an outburst. That would be working against what God was doing. And Paul would say. He wouldn't just say come out. He would say in the name of Jesus, I command you come out. Understanding that it is the name of Jesus where the power resides. And that as a committed follower of Jesus, Paul had been given authority to exercise the authority of Christ in that particular situation. Amen. Amen. Peter, Peter, Peter demonstrated the authority of Jesus Christ. He was going into the temple one day and on his way into the temple there was a man who was crippled and unable to walk and he was sitting at the temple and and as he saw Peter and his companion John going into the temple the man looked at them and he said alms for the poor can you give me a little something to help me out give the brother a little money Peter looks at him because Peter does not have Silver or gold or money in his pocket. But on his way to the place of prayer, he's confronted with this man with a need. It is a need that has kept this man at the gate, kept this man in this condition, begging for a long time. Peter looks at him who is saying, can you give me something to help me out? Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I offer to you. He didn't just say, get up. What did he say? 
In the name of Jesus, I say to you, get up or rise up and walk. And you know what happens at the name of Jesus. The man exercised faith in what Peter had declared. There was strength that got in his ankles. All of a sudden, he felt a tingling in his legs that he had never felt before. And he stood up. And he who was not able to walk before was now able to walk and gallop and run into the temple. And he went in praising and giving thanks to God. All because the name of Jesus Christ overcame the lameness of his legs. That you and I will exalt the name of Jesus like never before. It will give him the opportunity to come in to our lives and into our situations and do for us what has never, ever been done before. And so, brothers and sisters, I am encouraging you. I am being a champion. I'm saying, let's exalt the name of Jesus. Who will we become known for? People that exalt the name of Jesus. That if you won't hear anything else when you show up at the gathering and meeting places of New Joy Fellowship, what you're going to hear is the name of Jesus being exalted and lifted up. Let me tell you, he is more powerful than the latest and greatest scheme that is out on the market. Whether it be a get rich scheme, whether it be a self-help scheme, Jesus is better than all of those things that are on the market. And therefore, we're going to lift up the one who has the answers, who is the great I am, who has power that is not able to be harnessed all in itself. We're going to lift him up because if we lift him up, he'll set the captives free. Amen. He will bring about healing. He will make people whole. He will produce growth all because it's in Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we've been talking about exalting the Lord. Psalm 34. Are you there yet? Amen. Psalm 34. And because I like it so much, I want to go back to verse one and just keep reading. Amen. Because we can never read the word of God enough. Amen. 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 We can't read it enough. That's right. Because it is a living word. Is it an active word? And what you discover is that each time you read it, there is fresh new revelation. Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. If you would, when you found that, can you just stand for the reading of God's word? And I am reading down to verse number 14 today. And so if your uh, legs become tired, we won't be offended if you need to sit down. Okay, if your legs become tired. But if you can, stay with us through the reading to verse 14. Are you ready? Verse one begins, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man or the woman who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. (laughs) Come, come, my children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, 
Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Amen. Amen. Say it with me. I will, I will exalt, the Lord exalt the Lord through my fear, through my fear of, the Lord. of the Lord. All right, let's try it again. I will, I will exalt, the Lord exalt the Lord through my fear, through my fear of, the of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. <clears throat> yes, it's a little warm today. I know you may have noticed that. But let's see if we can press through together. Amen. 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 Praise be to God. We're on the inside. Not the outside. Amen. 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 As we have worked through, as we have worked through this psalm, excuse me. As we have worked through this psalm, we've talked about this is a psalm of David that was written while he was running from King Saul. David had been anointed to become king by the prophet Samuel. However, David had not been placed in his position because the existing king, King Saul, was still in office. God did what he was doing in David's life before he ever removed King Saul from his position. And even though David had been anointed, even though David had been selected, it seems as though this issue of King Saul wanting to take his life still comes against him. So this Psalm of David was written after David ran away from King Saul into the place where his enemy was located. And while he was there, he had to pretend to be insane. The king that he ran to told the people that he didn't want David in his sight. So get this man away from me. Don't bring him back again. In other words, David was then released and set free to go away from this man in whom he he was in the presence of. David, when he is set free, writes Psalm 34, where he says, I will exalt the Lord at all times and his praise will continually be in my mouth. His praise will continually be upon my lips. He writes this as he has been delivered from that particular situation. It's important that you know that David was delivered from that situation only to find himself still having to run for his life from King Saul. Deliverance from one incident did not mean total deliverance from the hand of his enemy. It meant that he still needed the divine protection of God in order for God to get him to the place where he was taking him to. And David in this psalm, in this excerpt from his journal, allows us to see a little bit about where his heart is because he begins to celebrate the goodness of God and he gives God credit for setting him free from the hand of his enemy. That's important because when you and I begin to praise God, when we begin to exalt Jesus, we are to give him credit for what he has done and we must resist the temptation to take the credit for ourselves. 
No matter what wisdom God gives you to operate in your situation, remember, it is God who gave you the wisdom. If it was a good choice, a good decision, it was God who gave you the ability to make the good choice and the good decision. If you got your money in Google at just the right time, it was God who gave you the timing to get your money there so that you reap the benefits of the growing stock. It is not because you were so sharp, that you were so smart, that you were so smooth. And so when you start celebrating the goodness of your windfall, you need to acknowledge that it was God. By the way, one of the ways that you acknowledge God's goodness is you bring back to his storehouse. You bring and you give because he has allowed you to be blessed so that you can be a blessing for others since you and I are to praise him because we acknowledge who he is and what he has done so David says even though I acted like a madman it wasn't me acting like a madman that set me free it was the fact that God opened up the king's heart that God told the king that you don't want this man around you that I was set free it was because of the hand of God that I was delivered. And brothers and sisters, it matters not what is pressing in against you. I'm going to say it again. Jesus is your answer. And when Jesus comes and he delivers you from whatever it is that has you bound up, it behooves you and me to give praise and thanksgiving to Jesus. Can I help you out for just a moment? Because listen, there were 10 lepers who saw Jesus one day and they began to say unto him that they wanted to be healed. Jesus said to those 10 lepers, he said, listen, I want you to go and show yourselves to the priest. Go show yourselves to the priest because that was part of their system so that they can confirm that you have been healed. The Bible says that as they walked in obedience to what Jesus said and they went to show themselves, they were going to show themselves to the priest. That there was one particular guy that realized all of a sudden the disease that had kept him isolated from the rest of the world had been healed. He had been made. He had been made clean and he stopped. He said, how can I go to the priest before I go back and say thank you to Jesus? And all of a sudden, he turns around. He actually makes a U-turn. He does a 180 and he starts heading back to Jesus because he's been made clean. And when he makes it back to Jesus, he just begins to worship him and giving him thanks for making him clean. Oh, you got to see this now. The others keep going. They've been made clean, too. That guy wasn't the only one that was made clean. The other nine keep going because they're going to go and show themselves to the priest like Jesus did. But this man is so filled up with gratitude about what Jesus did that he has to go back and show himself to Jesus first. And he comes and gives him thanks when he goes back. He begins to thank Jesus for what Jesus has done. Jesus added something to his healing. See, you can't be God given. First, they ask him and Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest on the way they get healed. This man comes back and says, thank you for what you've done. And then Jesus says to him. Can I paraphrase? Thank you. I appreciate that permission. Jesus said to him, I'm glad you came back. Because when you left, I didn't give you all that I had to give. But since you came back with a grateful heart, can I give you the rest? Can I give you the rest? See, when you think about a leper, what happens to a leper? A leper is isolated. Amen. He has lost connection with his normal family. He has lost connection with his normal community. He is forced then to just hang around with lepers. And if you've ever been with somebody who's been down, what happens when you've been down and they down? Everybody is just down all the way around. It's just depression overflowing upon depression. You can't get up because every time you get up, somebody pulls you down. You want to be happy, but they don't want to let you happy like crabs in a bucket. What you're doing happy? You still got leprosy. Come back down here and be sad with me. So Jesus says, not only do you need healing, you need restoration. And when he comes back with gratitude in his heart, that's when Jesus said, I shall make you whole. I shall take your brokenness and make you 
hope. I shall take where you have been isolated and restore you. I shall take you where you've been emotionally beat down and I shall refill you so that you have joy in the presence of the Lord. Amen. He made him whole. Not only did he heal him physically, but he made him whole. And brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, when you begin to exalt Jesus, when you begin to praise Jesus, when you begin to give him thanks for what he does, what he has a way of doing is making you whole and fixing you in places that you didn't even know that you were broken. All because you acknowledged his goodness, all because you praised him, you worshiped him, you celebrated who he was and what he had done for you. That's what praise looked like. David said, I will exalt the Lord. At all times. And his praise will continually be in my mouth. He said, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Can I just add this? That when you celebrate the goodness of God and what he has done in your life, those who are afflicted will hear what you're talking about. And then you get a chance to tell them that what he has done for me, he can also do for you. And they all of a sudden will be lifted up. And they too will be able to overcome all because they trusted in the name of Jesus. David went on to say, let us then exalt his name together. In other words, he said, don't make me do it by myself because I know God has also been good to you. And if I'm going to give God praise, if I'm going to celebrate God, praise, don't let him, don't let me praise him by myself. You come on, you join in the party. You come on, you get your praise on as you talk about what God has done for you. And together we become a concert of praise unto the Lord. And so what we said was that we'll exalt God, we'll exalt the Lord Jesus Christ with our praise by constantly declaring his goodness in our lives. And then we said we will exalt God through prayer because we will call on the one who is able to answer us in our time of need. That means that when you and me, when we're in trouble, we know who can rescue us. And, and we're not going to go looking for help from the wrong places. We're going to go to the one who is able to deliver. We're going to go straight to the source himself. I'm going to bypass a couple of resources along the way. And I'm going to go to the source himself yeah. so that he can help me with his specific provisions for my malady at that time. Yeah. Amen. And so we said that we're going to humbly come before him, seek his wisdom about whatever it is that's going on in our lives with the absolute confidence that he will answer us. So David is saying, whatever you do, praise him. Continually pray unto him, pray without ceasing. Let it be a relationship with him because you have a knowledge that God loves you. He desires for you to be hooked up, connected with him. And because of that, he will set you free. David learns this through trying times. Through things pressing up against his soul. While waiting on the promise of God to be fulfilled. In his life. It wasn't after he had received the blessing or received the fulfillment of God's word. It was during the trouble that David was praising God and praying unto him and exalting his name. Brothers and sisters, I only emphasize that because if you're waiting on the answer before you praise, you might be waiting a long time. And what I want to what I want to encourage you to do is while you wait on him. You praise him. While you wait on him, you call to him for deliverance. While you wait for the answer to come, you keep your eyes fixed on him and exalt his name. Don't wait. And when deliverance come, you keep that posture, you keep that attitude because deliverance from one situation may very well present another situation. And what you discover is that the answer to everything that comes my way is me trusting and exalting the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 
David says, after he has learned, learned this lesson, he says, come, my children. This is in verse number 11. Listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Come, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Indicating that David has learned some things. Amen. Can, can, I, can I submit to you and say to you that you can't teach what you don't know? You can't teach what you don't know. In fact, James, James says in, in the New Testament, he says, uh, listen, not all of you should, should desire or presume to be teachers, he says, because teachers are going to be held to a more stricter, to a higher standard. Amen. What G James is talking about is the fact that, you know what, there's a proclamation of truth about God that when you talk about it, God will hold you responsible for what you are teaching others. And he says, hey, hey, you need to be careful. You need to be careful. Not everybody needs to go and try to be a teacher because God is going to hold you accountable. And if you're not studying to show yourself approved, you better sit down and listen. You better sit down and listen. Amen. 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 Because because God don't play. In Galatians, it says God will not be mocked. Amen. He don't play. And especially when it comes to his word and what people are saying about yeah. him. Yeah, 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 yeah. I say all of that in the context of you can't teach what you don't know. That's you right. can't teach about God if you don't know him. Right. Amen. Amen. And, and you can't know God unless you experience him. We're not talking about information. We're talking about a personal relationship with God. Amen. So you can't tell somebody that God will wash your sins away if your sins ain't never been washed away. You've got to enter into the blood work of Jesus Christ and let him wash you so that you speak firsthand. You can't tell folks that God will forgive your sins if you haven't experienced it firsthand. Amen. He said that you need to know these things for yourself. And David, through the excerpt out of his journal, is telling us about some things that he has learned. And he says to them, listen, I'm going to teach you about wisdom if you are, excuse me, about fear, if you're willing to learn. Why? Because he learned about it in the crucible of life. God revealed to him some truths that could not be taken away. And they were truths that would hold him up in times of trouble. Amen. Uh, back in March of this year, Minister Joslin uh, helped us understand what fear of the Lord looks like. Amen. Amen. You may not remember that, but what Minister Joslin, she said, fearing God means to respect God. Yes. To have a high respect for who he is. She said we respect God by doing what God asks of us. Amen? Amen. She said that we also acknowledge God and we live in reverence to God with awe. Yeah. It's the idea that if you and I are going to fear God, we've got to respect who he is, acknowledge who he is, and live it out day in and day out. Amen? There is this element of the fear of God whereby, yes, we shake in our boots, but because we also know that he is a loving God, a forgiving God, a God who is slow to anger, a God who is full of compassion. That means that oh, even though he is holy, he makes it possible for one like you and me to come into his presence. I fear him on one hand because of his greatness, because of his holiness. But then I revere him on the other hand and I show him the utmost respect. David is describing for us this idea of both in order to understand who God is, that we honor him. But then we also live out that fear and reverence unto God. It says, come, my children. Listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days. Now, he's teaching the fear of the Lord. 
That's what he is about to do. It's not going to be very hard. It's not. Even though sometimes we want to make things hard, this is not going to be very hard what he is about to teach us about the fear of the Lord. Look at what it says. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days. Here's the first thing you need to do. Keep your tongue from evil. Keep your tongue from evil. Okay, guys, we're taking a short break here. I just want you to know we'd love to hear from you. If you have a special prayer request, reach out to us at prayer, N-J-F, that's P-R-A-Y-E-R, N as in new, J as in joy, F as in fellowship, at TulsaCoxmail.com. Also, Pastor Richard would love to hear from you. If you want to connect with him, you can reach out to him at Pastor Richard at TulsaCoxmail.com. And that's P-A-S-T-O-R-R-I-C-H-A-R-D at Tulsa, T-U-L-S-A, Cox, C-O-X, and that's X as in X-ray, dot com. If you have questions on how you can connect with this Jesus that we're talking about, just send us a message. Connect with us also on Facebook at New Joy Fellowship Ministry here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We'd love to hear from you. Now let's get back to listening in to Pastor Richard at the conclusion of this message. So we've already said that we will exalt the Lord through praise, right? That instead of complaining, I will praise him. That instead of talking about other folks, I will pray for them. That instead of letting my tongue be directed toward evil, I am going to let it be directed toward good. Amen. Amen. He helps us to understand that you and I are to keep that kind of stuff off of our mouths. Can you can you flip over to Psalm 36 for just a moment? In Psalm 36, it says, an oracle is within my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. Are you there? Amen. Look at that next part. It says, there is no fear of God before his eyes. This is describing the wicked. And what you put in that is you start thinking about keeping your tongue from evil. It says, for in his own eyes, this is the wicked person, he flatters himself. All right, wait a minute. If I'm going to keep my tongue from evil, that means I got to keep my tongue from flattering myself. Okay? So, so now, now I'm not flattering myself. And yes, there is a, a clear distinction between having confidence. There is a clear distinction between being able to describe what you're able to do. But then you need to make sure that you don't go across that thin line and begin to flatter yourself. Amen. Stay away. You know what flattery is because you know how folk flatter you when they trying to get something. They trying to hustle you. You know what it is. Don't pretend like you don't know what it is. It, stop flattering yourself. Don't try and make yourself more than you are. Simply stay in a humble posture and keep your praise reserved for God himself. When you do that, you're putting yourself in the place of wicked folks and you're allowing evil to come from your mouth. He says, for in his own eyes, he flatters himself too much to detect or hate his sin. You see the end result? I'm so busy flattering myself that I can't see how sinful I am. 
And if I can't see how sinful I am, I can't hate it. And what you and I need to be at a place of doing when we fear God, when we revere God, we've got to learn how to hate sin just as much as God hates sin. You don't need to just hate it when it shows up in somebody else. You need to hate it when it shows up in you. When you didn't want to lie, but you end up lying anyway. You ought to hate it. Don't be making excuses talking about, oh, this is why. The devil made me do it. Yes, he did. And you ought to hate the fact that you gave him control over you and let him make you do something like that. Don't excuse the sin in your life by flattering yourself. Well, I'm not really that bad. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Yes, you are. If it were not true, you wouldn't even be having that conversation with yourself. Praise God. I have learned how not to say everything that comes up in my mind. That's a praise. But here's the other thing that I've discovered, that out of the abundance of the heart, so the mouth speaks. So that means that if some, if some stuff is coming out of my heart that I'm scared to say, or that I know I don't need to say, all of a sudden I got a God work on my heart. God work on me for that thought that I just had. I may not have said it, God. But it sure was there. Oh, I thank you that I didn't say it. Thank you for your Holy Spirit for keeping my lips sealed. But oh God, can you wash me of that nasty stuff inside of me? See, I'm not going to get all hyper and start celebrating myself because I didn't say what I thought. I'm going to deal with it in reality and say, boy, now you know that was nasty. What just came up in your heart and in your mind. And you need to go ahead and repent right now. You may not have said it, but God who sees the heart knows. They may not know what's going on, but God knows. And all of a sudden you get real with you. I'm not going to flatter myself. I'm not going to flatter. And by the way, just because somebody else says what I was thinking and it wasn't good, I'm not going to condemn them while not yet condemning my own sin. Why? Because I fear God and I want to revere him and I want to keep my tongue from evil. And so if I flatter myself, I won't recognize my sin for what it is and and hate it the same way that God hates it. Mm. Can, can Can we read a little bit more of that? It says the words of his mouth are wicked. And deceitful. This is still talking about the wicked person. He has ceased to be wise and do good. Even on his bed, he plots evil and he commits himself to a sinful course and does not reject what is wrong. David in Psalm 36 is helping us to think about what wickedness looks like before God. And because he is teaching fear in Psalm 34, he's helping us to stay away from that. So he says, first of all, for the wicked person, there is no fear of God. Secondly, he or she is blinded by their own flattery and they are unable to detect or hate their own sin. Thirdly, he said their words are wicked and deceitful, malicious and deceptive. Everything they say is cooked in deceitfulness. Fourthly, they refuse to act wisely and do good. In other words, it's a choice. They choose to do that. And then he says this, they lay awake at night and they are there plotting, thinking about how they can do evil. It is. It is terrible. And then they commit themselves to carrying out whatever it is they've conceived in their minds to do. That's the wicked. No fear of God. No dread of his judgment leads to destruction. And David is saying, listen, my brothers and sisters, I want you to have fear of the Lord. And I'm going to teach it to you. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies, turn from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. It's not that hard, is it? It's not that hard. Turn your tongue from evil. One good way you turn your tongue from evil is turning it toward praise to God, 
toward lifting and building up your brothers and sisters. Yes. You turn your tongue from evil by praying for them instead of yes. against them. Amen. You, you, you turn your tongue from evil by speaking the truth of God. Can I tell you, that's why you need to fill your heart up with the word of God. I have hidden your word in my heart so that I will not sin against thee, O Lord. You need to fill your heart up with the word of God. For if out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, when you open up your mouth, what's going to come out? The word of God. And if the word of God is coming out of your mouth, you are turning your tongue from evil. You and I, we need to commit ourselves to learning scripture. Amen. Amen. I know we've got Google. I know we have phones. I know we have the Bible app. I know we can pull it up at a moment's touch. But listen, let me tell you, if it is in your heart, what you do is you give the Holy Spirit something to work with. And he is better than any app you might experience on your smartphone or your computer because he can search your database faster than anything else and pull up that which is appropriate for the moment. Yes. And if you've hidden his word in your heart, he'll give you whatever it is that you need to confront the moment. Yes. Turn your hearts from evil. Keep your lips from speaking lies. That then becomes the fear of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, you and I must be careful not to seek the approval of men over that of God. Amen. Fear of God says that I am placing him above everybody else. If what God says disagrees with what everybody else is saying, I'm going to choose what God says as the right standard and leave everybody else alone. Yeah. Amen? Amen. It is saying that I am going to fear God and acknowledge God knows what he's talking about, that he knows who he is, that he really is the author and the finisher. And so I'm going to hold on to what he said over everything else. That means that I am not going to fear man, but I'm going to fear God. And it's good that you and I Choose and we be careful that we seek his approval, not man's approval. If we get to the place of where we start acting like like men have better knowledge, better authority of God, if we start acting like people have more control than God, if we start seeking their approval and start dishonoring God to get the approval of men, what we do is we set ourselves up for acting in ways that are inconsistent with who we are. You and I have got to be careful. We've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. We've been redeemed from an empty way of life. We are God's workmanship. We are his design, and if we start acting in a manner inconsistent with that, we will not be able to do what God called us to do, and that is to glorify the name of God and exalt his holy name. That is to be light in the world, salt in the world. If we stop acting in such a way that we fear God while honoring men, we forfeit our ability to represent him in a lost world. So we must make fear of God important in our own individual lives. Amen. I've gone through all of this and, and, and let me let me sum it up because I want you to see this connection in this picture. I, I started off talking about David wrote this psalm while he was running. He had just been rescued, which means that David has a call upon his life. He has an anointing upon his life, but yet he is in pursuit of the destiny that God has for him. I said all of that to remind you and me that even though God has purpose in your life, he's revealed that purpose for your life. That does not mean that you won't have trouble along the way. But when trouble comes knocking at your door, don't doubt what God has said. Yes. Deal with the stuff that's in front of you and let God be the one to take you to where he has said he will take you. Yes. Amen. 
that trouble may come, but it does not change who God is. Trouble may come. It does not change God's anointing on my life. Listen, just because folks don't recognize the anointing on your life that God has done doesn't mean that God hasn't anointed you. Remember, David was anointed in front of the elders. David was anointed in front of his brothers. There was a witness to the fact that David had been anointed king. Failure to recognize David as king does not remove David from the place where God has anointed him to be. When folks fail to recognize you for what God has called you to do and what God has done in your life, don't get up in their inability to see what God is doing. You keep your eyes fixed on what God has said. You keep your ears tuned into what God has said. And don't you be distracted by all of the nonsense that blind folks have to say. Thank you. You got to stay fixed and focused because trouble is going to come. In the will of God, trouble is going to come. I need to tell you this. You can do everything right. Trouble shows up. Because the enemy of your soul wants to war against you. Why? Because you hooked up with God. And so trouble comes. And your job is that in the midst of trouble, you hold on to your faith and your confidence that God is who he said he is and that God will do what he said he would do. Can can I have just a few more minutes? Okay, let me take you to Psalm 130. Turn in your Bibles. I'm trying to get there. Bear with me. You in Psalm 130? All right. Hold on to it, okay? I'm going to come back to it. Hold on to it. Don't move. Stay right there. Because what, what, I'm, wanting, what I'm wanting you and me to know is that the enemy <clears throat> of our soul presses in against us even when we are doing what we're supposed to do. Amen. Now, you guys, everyone is familiar with the story of Job, aren't you? Mostly everybody is familiar with the story of Job. If you're not familiar with the story of Job, I want you to take some time this week and go back and read the story of Job. Job is the book that happens to come just before the book of Psalms. You can go back and you read Job. Job has about 42 chapters, but it's fascinating reading. You know what? The story of Job is really illustrated in like the first three chapters. You get it really you get the entire story and discourse of what's going on. But I want you to go back and read that, because what happens in Job is that we see this whole issue about the enemy of your soul doing everything that he can to press in up on you, especially when you are demonstrating the fear of the Lord. The Bible illustrates for us in the story of Job that Job was a righteous man who feared God. And that the enemy of his soul showed up one day and said to God, the only reason that Job fears you is because he thinks that you are blessing him. That's the only reason he fears you. And so you've got to make sure that, first of all, your fear of God is not necessarily tied to the blessings in which you have received. You need to fear God because God is who he is. Who is God? He is the creator of heaven and earth. That's who God is. Who is God? He is the one who redeemed you by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to save your soul. Who is God? He is the one who will be there in the end he is the one who sits on the great throne and when all is said and done he is the one who is going to stand judge over all the earth because he says yes and no he says yes and amen he is the one who has the key to the door he's the one who can let you in or he's the one who can keep you out and your job is to fear him because he is the creator God he is the great ancient of days he is God who sits on his throne and there is no one higher than he is Therefore, I fear God for who he is and not just for what he gives me. Amen. 
Job was a man who feared God for who he was. And Satan comes and says, the only reason Job is fearing you is because you got all these blessings going on in his life. That means it helps us to understand that Job was a blessed man. In fact, we learn, if you go back and read it, that Job was very rich. He had been blessed with a family and he took his money and he did the right thing with it. He didn't just take care of him. It says that he also took care of others. He took care of the poor. He took care of the widows. He did all of these things because he was a righteous man. The devil didn't like that. So he comes at God and says to God, I'm telling you, the only reason Job honors you the way Job honors you is because of the blessings that you have given him. Uh, if you if you just take those blessings away, you watch Job. You watch Job. He's going to be just like everybody else and he's going to turn his back on you. So God says, you don't know Job like I know Job. Amen. Now, now, this is the part of the story that we don't like because what we forget is that we belong to God and we like to think that we're in control and that we own ourselves and we don't say to God, do what you want to do with me to bring glory and honor to your name. We don't say that because we never know what God is going to do. We don't trust God enough to say, have your way, Lord. We say, wait, wait a minute, God, wait a minute, let's talk about it. Before you do that, we need to have a conversation. Job didn't have time to have a conversation. God simply said, go ahead and do whatever it is you think you can do, but you can't. God kept those parameters around him, but you can't do this. So what we discover when you go back and read Job is that Job and all that he had was attacked. His livestock, his real estate, his children, all of that was attacked. And what we discover is that even though Job is losing all of these things, Job still does not have any harsh words for God. In fact, he honors God all the more. He says, the Lord giveth and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What he was understanding was that anything that comes my way, God has allowed. Now, God was not responsible for taking the things away, but God did allow the enemy of his soul to go ahead and attack in that particular area. Job says, the Lord giveth, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. After the enemy has attacked all of Job's possessions, he comes back and say, well, he just got confidence enough to know that he can get back what I took away. But you attack his health. Let me attack his health. Let me attack him. And I tell you what, he's going to be just like everybody else. He's going to cuss you. He's going to turn his back on you. God says to Satan, okay. All right, I'm telling you, you don't know Job like I know Job. Oh, can you just give God a good thanksgiving that he knows you and that he protects you, that he doesn't let stuff come your way that he hasn't prepared you to handle? Now, that's good news. That means when something comes your way, you might not feel like you can handle it, but God already knows what's on the inside of you. God already knows his provisions for you. And if God allows it to come to you, if you trust him, he'll see you through it. So he says to him, you don't know Job like I know Job. You go ahead. You, you go ahead. You attack. You attack his health. But wait a minute. You can't take his life. You can't take his life. Again, don't you love how God is putting boundaries? Yeah. All right. In case you can't see this, I'm going to spell it out. God is in control. Yes. The enemy can only do as much as God permits him to do. Yes. And no matter what kind of havoc he's wreaking in your life, yeah. he can only do what God permits him to do. So he says to them, you can attack him, but you can't touch his life. And so then he comes back and he attacks Job's health. He attacks his health. He has all of these painful sores upon his body. And he gets to a place of where he's simply miserable. If you read through the story of Job, what you're going to read is the plight of a man who is suffering. He's suffering greatly. But in the midst of it all, he maintains his integrity before God. In his fear of God, and he does not curse God, but he honors God through his suffering. Amen. He does it despite he has folks who come and whisper foolish things in his ears. 
which is just the opposite of what you and I are to do. When someone is suffering, our job is to come and build them up and hold them up, not come and tear them down and explain to them why they're going through what they're going through like you really know. You ain't doing nothing but guessing. Your job is to come and bring them hope. Your job is to come and hold them up until God brings them through. But those friends didn't do that. They came and put more pressure on Job. But what we realize is that Job did not fold under the pressure by cursing God or by turning away from God. He maintained his integrity. Yes, Job complained. When you read it, you're going to hear him. And let me tell you, if you got somebody constantly nagging in your ear while you're suffering and going through pain, while you can't sleep, you're going to be complaining a little bit too. But God, who is slow to anger and plentiful in mercy, says, that's okay. I'm coming to your rescue. And you know the end of the story because God shows up in Job's life and he rescues him and he delivers him from the hand of the enemy and he restores him. Amen. Now, with all of that said, I want to take you back to Psalm 130 and we'll close it up. Amen. Are you at Psalm 130? In Psalm 130, the psalmist says, out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Keep reading. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness. Therefore, you are feared. Amen. So we're going to wrap up talking about the fear of the Lord and what it does for you and me. Because he says, but with you there is forgiveness and therefore you are feared. I want you to take Psalm 130, couple it with Psalm 34 later in your reading and put these things together because it is speaking to us about our fear of the Lord. When you read Psalm 130, you should be struck just like I was struck about how many time, times the psalmist uses the name of the Lord. It is almost like in every sentence he expresses the name of the Lord. The Psalter, the psalmist is praying, but he's praying to God and acknowledging Lord. You remember capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D? He's acknowledging a personal relationship with God that says that I know that you hear me and because you hear me, I am confident that you're going to deliver me. He is praying from a place that gives us understanding of why the Lord's name is used so frequently. While at the same time, he is helping us understand that out of the depths, that it doesn't matter where we find ourselves, God can respond. Amen? Amen. This is what he's saying. You and I are never out of the sight of the Lord, nor out of his hearing distance. We never get so far that he can't see, see us, nor so far that we can't hear us. I, I can't see you, but you can see me, Lord. Something is preventing me from hearing you. Oh, but my voice can reach you. So, so out of the depths of my pain and my suffering, I cry out to you, O Lord. This is Job out of the depths of his pain and his suffering. Who did he cry out to? Unto the Lord. This is the person who fears the Lord. Out of the depth of your pain and your suffering, who do you cry out to? You cry out to the Lord. Why? Because you have a personal relationship with him. And if you exalt his name, what you discover that he will bring you through whatever it is that you are suffering. See, you and I, we cry out to the one who does not keep a record of our sins, but who loves to forgive our sins and remove them from us. 
that if it was sin that got me in the mess, I can cry out to God and he will forgive me of my sins. And he won't hold my sins against me because he forgave me of my sins. And when he forgave me of my sins, he put my sins behind me. And when he put my sins behind me, they were to be remembered no more. He took my sins and he threw them into the sea of forgetfulness. Therefore, he's not keeping a record of my sins. Because he loves me and he has forgiven me. I cry out to the one who hears my voice and is attentive to my cry for mercy. See, I fear God because I know that God loves me and he'll have mercy on me. And therefore, I cry out to him and I cry out to the one who is the lover of my soul. To the one who not only hears, but is also able to deliver me. From the depths. This trouble is coming up on me. But I trust in you. Because I am convinced of your love for me. And I am confident of your ability to rescue me. Yes. You and only you can rescue and deliver me. And therefore I will wait on you O Lord. I will wait in the midst of my trouble. I will wait. In the midst of my pain. And I have discovered that they who wait upon the Lord. Will receive their strength. Amen. Those of us who hope in the Lord. Wait for him. He will deliver us. And will come through. And my brothers and sisters. It's you and me. Waiting on God, having the fear that God will come through, exalting him through our fear that says no matter what I'm going through, I am confident that God will see me through this. And therefore, I am going to honor him with my whole heart. I'm going to fear him with all of my life that God says he'll show up and he'll show out. Amen. Amen. And it's maintaining that level a fear before the Lord that gets you and me delivered. David said in Psalm 34, if I can go back there, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man or woman who trusts in him, who takes refuge in him. Amen. Amen. The invitation, taste and see for yourself. The invitation, if you're going through something, taste of the one who is able to deliver. Oh, and when you bite and taste, you're going to see that he is good. Oh, and in discovering that he is good, your soul will be made happy. You will be blessed beyond measure. And what you will discover is that in the midst of trouble, I can still give thanks. Amen. That, that even though things have not come together for me, I can still give thanks because I know that he who holds tomorrow also holds my hand. Yeah, in the midst of trouble, I can still give thanks because I know that he is able to deliver even in the midnight hour. Yes, joy comes in the morning. Yeah, weeping may endure for a night, but what? Joy comes in the morning and my only job is to wait on him 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 it doesn't matter how long he takes wait on him it doesn't matter if the cupboard is bare wait on him what do you do you just keep waiting on the lord exalting him with your praise exalting him with your prayer exalting him through your fear of him and if you wait on him what you discover is that he will Come through. Amen. Amen. Can you just celebrate with me the goodness and the faithfulness of God and his ability that those who wait on him, that he'll come through. If he's ever come through for you, can you just celebrate him? If he's ever come through, if you're still waiting on him to come through, can you just celebrate? Can you just celebrate the goodness of who God is? Can you just celebrate that he sees you, that he knows you, and that even in the darkness, he can come to you? Hallelujah. 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 Brothers and sisters, no matter what presses in, let us make it our habit to exalt, lift up the name of Jesus Christ. By praising him for who he is and what he has done. 
by calling out to him to help us in our time of need. And by living a life full of fear and reverence before him. Revere him so much that there are certain words that you just won't say. Amen. 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 Revere him so much that there are certain, certain shows you just won't watch. Amen. Revere him so much that there's a certain things that you won't, that you won't willingly allow to enter into your ears. Amen. Revere him so much that there are just some things that no matter how much money is offered to you that you just can't do. Amen. Revere him so much that you make up in your mind that you are going to let your life be a billboard for him. Amen. That you're going to let your life be an advertisement for God. That when folks see you, what they think about is that there goes another one of those God-honoring, God-fearing, Jesus-loving people. Amen. Let that be how they describe you. Here comes that praying woman again. Here comes that praying man again. Here comes that person that is always trying to give glory to God, to acknowledge God for who he is. Let that be how they describe you. Why? Because you revere God and you fear him above men and therefore you choose to exalt his name above every name. Amen.